Doncic wins the game at the buzzer. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of Gunshot. My name is Grant Gunn, the favorite gun child of the family, and I am joined with my sister, Lauren. Lauren, we had a crazy week in the NBA. I'll let you start. What do we got off the top? Well, there have been two things that have taken place uh, since we last recorded, which we will we'll dive into each of them. But the first one is the biggest one, and that was the announcement today by the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, that they have let go Gerson Rosas, uh, former president of basketball operations. Um, and as of right now, Sachin Gupta is going to be the interim head of basketball operations, which uh, is awesome. He's because he's, he will be the first person of Indian or- origin to run a basketball organization. So I think that that's pretty cool um, and worth noting. Uh, but the Timberwolves are, I don't really, there are, there are layers to this and layers that I want to kind of slowly pick apart and dive in with you because I think it's so fascinating. Uh, But very quickly after this gets announced, people are obviously having their, their overreactions and their guesses as to what this means, why this is happening. And I think most people thought that this was because the new ownership group that's uh, consists of, of Alex Rodriguez uh, and Mark Lowe, Mark Lore, excuse me, uh, are, are trying to take a more aggressive approach and want whoever is going to become the next head of basketball operations to become, or to be more aggressive in pursuing Ben Simmons. Uh, they want to obviously keep Carl Anthony Towns around. And so there's, everybody has, has said what they've said about the potential fit of Ben Simmons and Carl Anthony Towns. Obviously they also have a off the court relationship already. So what was very interesting was shortly after this happens, everyone's like, okay, yeah, they're going to be more aggressive in pursuing Ben Simmons. And then Carl Anthony Towns comes out of nowhere and tweets WTF, which like social media in the NBA is just got to be the greatest thing. But we're all <laughs> sitting, I think most people are sitting here like, there's no way they didn't run this by cat, right? Like there's just no way. And so my question for you that I'm going to throw to you uh, is it's, and it's, it's kind of like a, a multi-part question is, uh, will this new head of basketball operations, whoever this is, it, it looks like Alex Rodriguez and Mark Lord have a little bit of interest in Elton Brand uh, per Jake Fisher, but will this new head of basketball operations be brought in to bring in Ben Simmons at all costs and do all in co- do all costs include D'Angelo Russell? And if that's the case, is that the straw that breaks the camel's back with Carl Anthony Towns? What what is going on in Minnesota? I don't know if we know. I don't know if anyone ever knows. But what do you think about everything that took place and just the timing of how everything continued to unravel? Yeah, there's there's a lot to break down about this. I think off the top, you mentioned uh, the first the first man of Indian descent. Um, I want to say it's Sashin Gupta. Um, it is amazing. That's super cool to see. Um, somebody representing a basketball organization from the top. Um, another thing that I mentioned, you, you talked about the Alex Rodriguez ownership group wanting to be more um, aggressive when it comes to pursuing Ben Simmons. I think there's an interesting aspect to this and that while yes, he's been approved to take over. Uh, and, and I forget, I forget who the name of the other guy was that you, that you said was Mark joint ownership with Mark Lore. Um, so, so they, they have obviously purchased, the Minnesota Timberwolves. However, they don't effectively become owners until after the 22-23 season. 
So we still have two seasons worth of basketball before they are um, officially in charge. Now that's not to say they aren't involved now or behind the scenes making moves, but today the Minnesota Timberwolves released a statement uh, and, and it was Glenn Taylor, their, their current owner. And he obviously owns the Minnesota Lynx as well. He released this following statement and I'm just reading um, verbatim. It says, given the leadership changes announced earlier today, Sashin Gupta will assume basketball operations oversight while remaining the Timberwolves executive vice president of basketball operations. We're committed to staying aligned to achieve our short-term and reach our long-term vision. Um, so he seems to be very much still at the head of this ship. Um, but for all the reasons you mentioned, what does this mean in their pursuit of Ben Simmons? Uh, I hope that in the coming days, we learn maybe what Minnesota wants, because I think you hit it on the head. If, if, D'Lo was available, does that change this? Because I think for Philly, um, it sounds like there aren't a ton of huge offers out there. Uh, one of the big things is that they're going to need a, a ball handling guard, um, whether that's a point guard or, or someone who just has playmaking capabilities to come in and, and take some of that from Ben Simmons. And so if you're Philadelphia, D'Angelo Russell might be kind of the best you're going to get. And, and I don't hate that for them. Uh, but But the other aspect of this is, the relationship that he has with Cat, and you touched on this a little bit. Obviously, um, they brought in D'Lo, and, and that was huge for Anthony, Carl Anthony Towns. And so, like, there, there's a lot of this. You've got to think Minnesota has got to do anything they can to keep a guy like Cat happy uh, and show that he's a contender, uh, show that they can build a contender. And if that means bringing in Ben Simmons, then maybe that's what it takes. Um, at the same time, you don't want to be shipping away his friends if he believes his friends truly can help him right. get to that point. So that's, there, there's a lot of aspects to this that I think are interesting. Um, I think you and I had talked before about how we thought D'Angelo Russell was off the table. Mm. Um, now that somebody else is at the top of the chain, Lauren, do you think that that changes things? Do you think D'Lo could now be available or are we still kind of in the same spot with just a new face? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's tough because... I would, I, I think the biggest, the biggest thing is that we don't know, like we don't even know who's going to be introduced as this new head of, of basketball operations. Is that why uh, Rosas was, was fired essentially because he wasn't willing to include D'Lo and wasn't willing to do what it's going to take to get this done. Has there been a conversation that has been had between Philadelphia, Gerson Rosas and, and Elton Brand met, I believe it was in August uh, to discuss, it was rumored that they they met to discuss a Ben Simmons uh, trade uh, between obviously Philadelphia and Minnesota. So, did they have that conversation? And it quickly ended when Elton said, "Well, we're it's either D, you have to include D'Lo or we're not we're not doing the Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Joshua Kogi, and Jaden McDaniel's. We're not doing that." Uh, so, is this now a conversation because that obviously didn't didn't materialize or go anywhere given the time that's passed? Is that now something where this new ownership group, like you, like you mentioned, they, they don't, you said after the 2022, 2023 season, is that correct? Okay. Yeah. So how much pressure is being put by them? I just, I don't really know how this power shift is transitioning and who really holds the power right now, how that works. Um, But was that something that they said, Hey, we want to be in a position to contend or is it, well, sorry, Kat, like this is a business. I just, I don't know. And the thing that is the most fascinating piece to this was Carl Anthony Towns reaction to me, because that shows that to me, 
I took that as an indication that he had no idea this was taking place. And if that's the case, this has been a huge uh, mishandling by the Minnesota front office, if that is the case. Um, But I want to kind of ask you about the Elton brand thing, because obviously Elton is in Philadelphia right now with Ben Simmons and he met with Gerson Rosas to discuss trading Ben Simmons. So he's followed this situation very closely. Um, I guess I might need, I I need to learn a little bit more about the history of their relationship or or at least what's going on more currently, but he did have uh, when he was asked about Ben Simmons, he said that, he wasn't looking to trade Ben or Embiid, but that he was still looking to compliment them. And this was, I want to say at the beginning, uh, this was, this was obviously a, a little bit ago. Um, but yeah, it's where, do, if you're going to now bring in, say they do get Elton Brand, how does that work? How does that work? What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a fascinating aspect to it. And, and I will say, the, the Elton Brand connection, all that's been reported, at least I'm scrolling through Twitter. The only thing I'm, I'm noting about it is that Jake Fisher tweeted that Mark Lore and Alex R- Rodriguez have communicated they are fond of 76ers right. GM Elton Brand. So I, that tells you two things. One, they are obviously involved in some way. They, they do not have ownership of the team yet, but seeing as that they're going to be, um, they are clearly in the ear of the current front office, the current owner. Uh, and so that is worth noting. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the second piece is just because they're fond of him. Great. Yeah. I'm fond of LeBron James, but I'm not going to get LeBron James on my team tomorrow. So um, obviously this is not the same scale. Elton brand um, is potentially a lot more feasible, but I, I don't know what's going to happen. I think, I, I don't know if it was Woj. I think that tweeted that, that the Timberwolves are expected to kind of broaden their search. Yeah. And while, um, while, while they have named their interim GM, by no means will that be the permanent uh, solution. So definitely an interesting aspect. Yeah, I got I got something else I want to run by you because obviously lately we've been running through the trade scenarios and it's not a full-on trade scenario. This is just a couple of thoughts. Um, on, on one of our more recent podcasts, we talked about the Knicks and whether or not they could be buyers or sellers come trade deadline time. And when I'm looking through all these teams and their rosters and someone that might try and take a swing for Ben Simmons, um, there are, there are two things that there, that I want to run by you. First one is the Knicks. The Knicks have a lot of guys that are win now teams that they just got on very uh, affordable contracts. Obviously they're recently signed. So that could get a little bit tricky there, but like Evan Fournier, uh, Alec Burks, New Orleans Noel, if they wanted to try and add a young guy in there to, I don't know, like to, to, to just have that young piece in the package. They've got guys like Obi Toppin. I don't know that. I mean, I said this before, I believe RJ Barrett is untouchable and I don't, I think he's far more valuable than Ben Simmons right now, but someone like Emmanuel quickly, how uh, is he someone that's viewed as untouchable in New York? That could be um, obviously you've got Derek Rose. Like there are just a couple of intriguing pieces in there that it would be, it would be interesting to see if New York tried to get in there somehow. Uh, so I don't know that it's necessarily super likely, but I think it's interesting that they haven't been talked about as much, especially given the size of that market and the, the the fact that Tibbs likes to play defense and the fact that they're trending upward. And then the last thing that I wanted to throw at you, was, which was the second scenario, is people continue to talk about the Pacers. And believe me, I understand the Pacers connections. And I, I mean, you and I have talked about this at length. Malcolm Brogdon makes a lot of sense. TJ Warren makes a lot of sense. Those two contracts together equal 33 million, which is exactly what Ben Simmons is making. But I wanted to ask you, given everything we know about Rick Carlisle 
And given everything we know about Malcolm Brogdon versus Ben Simmons in terms of personality, do we really think Rick Carlisle would prefer Ben Simmons to Malcolm Brogdon? That is a good question. While I think about that, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I will tell you what I think about Rick Carlisle and a potential match of Ben Simmons. All righty, welcome back. So before the break, Lauren, you ask, what are my thoughts on a Rick Carlisle-Ben Simmons pairing? Uh, and I want to talk about the fit with the team first. But I think Ben Simmons lifts that team up a little bit, lifts the floor of that team. Um, I worry you run into some potential um, similar situation where you have Simmons and Embiid. Um, they're kind of contradictory play styles where, where Embiid is better slowing it down, being able to post up and, and run through the flow of the offense where Ben Simmons needs to get out and run and use his athleticism to really flourish. So I, I wonder if you run into some of that same things with whether you have Sabonis, maybe Turner could be a bit of a rim rolling athletic big, um, but I wonder if you run into some of those same things. However, I think Carlisle could be the perfect kind of offensive mastermind to unlock Ben Simmons. Now, obviously, shooting is is going to be his biggest weakness. And until he kind of gets over that mental hurdle, um, there there's going to be problems there. However, Rick being the X's and O's genius that he is, I think would love to have a guy like Ben Simmons. Now he's not always been the, the biggest fan of younger guards. Um, it's it's in the past been kind of his way or the the, the wrong way, I guess. Uh, infamously butting heads with with Rajon Rondo. Uh, but you look at guys like Jason Kidd who who have come in and flourished, and and JJ Barea obviously been a successful point guard in, in a Rick Carlisle system. Um, Luka Doncic, another successful guard. Um, and obviously all varying degrees of success, but, but all that to say is that he clearly knows what he's doing. Um, and so I think there's an aspect of that for Ben Simmons that could work very, very well. Now, Ben Simmons could also come in with a massive ego and, and similar to Rajon Rondo say, Hey, I don't really care what you have to say. I'm going to do what I know how to do. And, and that could be a problem. So, um, from that aspect, Malcolm Brogdon is more appealing. I think that was your original question. Um, so, so from that aspect, you know what you're going to get with Malcolm Brogdon, a, a, an offensive um, facilitator, a great three-point shooter, a great defender. Um, so, so I think you like Malcolm Brogdon from that aspect. But when you look at raising the floor of the seat of the team and trying to take them to another level, I think Ben Simmons could be that for them. Uh, and maybe it's a swing they're willing to take. Or do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, I just, I just think the whole situation is very fascinating because. Um, Ben would be really intriguing with Indiana. I mean, like you mentioned, he kind of gives them that potential ceiling, uh, ceiling raiser and just that wow factor if he comes in and, and fits well and buys in. Um, but I personally do have a lot of questions of will he buy in? I think wherever he goes, like he's going to play and he doesn't really have like that option. But I do think that there's a chance that he ends up somewhere where he's maybe doesn't get along with the coach or maybe it's just a little less than enthused to be there. Um, and while he doesn't pull like necessarily a Kevin love, he might pull like, okay, I'm maybe going like 90% or 
or 85%. Like, I'm just, I don't know. I, I don't know, but I think the questions right. are valid. And I, the reason I brought up the Pacers is because one, they're, they're talked about so much, but we have seen Rick Carlisle up and close for what feels like forever now. So we know how he go, how he operates. And um, there have been, there have been so many years in free agency where it's like, I would have, or I would be talking to people who follow other teams and they'd be like, why don't the Mavs go for this guy? Or why don't the Mavs like, why not him? And I just, as strange as it would sound, I would be like, they would never do that. They would never go for that guy because this is just kind of how, how Rick does things. And like, maybe there was a problem with that, but there were, you could, there were certain guys that, you know, the Mavs were never going to go after. And um, I just don't know if that translates to, Indiana. And, and the reason I say that is just because of how fascinating it's been to see the number uh, and not, not that they've been named specifically, but that um, enough players have, have kind of, or it's been, it's been said that enough players have, have not been the biggest fans of Rick Carlisle. And so, yeah, I just, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Ben Simmons is in an interesting situation though, where regardless of where he ends up, um, his attitude towards the situation is going to be such a closely monitored situation because, I mean, you talked about it. If he ends up in a non-contender and he's hot-dogging it all night, giving just 70 80%, um, maybe it shows, and maybe that's a problem. Maybe it isn't. Um, at the same time, like, he doesn't have the luxury to turn around and demand a trade if he doesn't end up exactly where he wants again. His value is so low right now that if he does that, it is not going to go well. So, I'd like to believe, I, I just don't know Ben Simmons well enough. I, the fact that he is refusing to talk to Philly, I think says a lot, and, and it, it doesn't exactly seem positive in my eyes. Um, so personally, I, I don't know that I'd love to deal with a Ben Simmons as a front office or a coach. But that being said, you want him to come in, and at the very least, if he truly does not want to be there, you want him to play well to raise his value. So nobody is going to acquire Ben Simmons with the intention to turn around and trade him from a year now, but they're going to do it and say, okay, Ben, we need you to be at your best. We need you to do everything we're going to ask you to do. And we're going to try to put you in a position to succeed. Uh, and he needs to be all on board for that. Whether he ends up in the bottom of the bottom seller of the NBA teams or the top, because he just can't afford to do anything else. So I, I look at wherever Ben Simmons ends up as being one of those league pass must watch teams that people talk about because his, his play every, in every single night is going to be closely monitored play, play in and play out every single time. So like you just don't know what you're going to get. And until this situation plays out, I mean, the clock's ticking. We are getting closer day by day um, and nothing has happened. Um, so we'll see. I, I know everybody has Woj notifications on anxiously waiting for the bomb to drop. I have one final Ben Simmons question for you. And we always have to tie it back to the Mavs and it's, I'm not necessarily saying I would be on board for this, but I, this is also something that I don't think has been talked about as much. Uh, is there any chance Dallas has thought about proposing a package for Ben Simmons that is not centered around Chris Porzingis, but instead Tim Hardaway Jr.? who can't be traded until November 7th because he was recently signed. And I, again, I don't necessarily think that would be the best, the best move after someone just commits to you for four years. But do you think it's a conversation that's been had within 
the Dallas organization? Um, I, I would not surprise me if it has, um, just because I think front offices are always considering all options. Yes. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't doubt that it's been talked about. Um, I, I do think the Mavs very much want to keep Porzingis and Luca together, and they want that to succeed. And so if they have seen an opportunity where they can maybe add a third all-star to this and Ben Simmons, I think they've kicked around that idea. Now, maybe they've just come to the conclusion that there's no way it can be done. Mm-hmm. Um, or for all we know, they've reached out to Philly and Philly said, yeah, if you're not offering this, we don't, we don't even want to talk, which, which is perfectly fair. So right. um, do I think those discussions have happened internally? Absolutely, because that's the nature of the NBA. If you're not having those discussions, you're not looking to get better. Um, so, so I, I wouldn't doubt that it has, um, but I also think Dallas is very happy with the team they have. So if they don't get Ben Simmons, I think they're perfectly fine rolling into this season with all the question marks that exist, exist in the Western Conference. Um, if they can get KP finally clicking on all cylinders, drink if you've heard this before, KP just had his first full healthy offseason <laughs> of, his, of his career since joining the Dallas Mavericks. So um, as much as we love to hit that bell over the offseason, it's true. And so they want to run this back with the injuries to Kawhi and Jamal Murray. I think they see the West as very open. So we will see. Um, but another interesting factor or, or something else happened in, in the Western Conference recently to move away from the Ben Simmons, uh, the Houston Rockets and John Wall announced that he will not be playing in any games this season. He will be trying, he will be showing up to training camp, uh, but they are expected to, um, mutually work towards finding him a new home. And so that doesn't seem to be like it will be a buyout um, because if I'm John Wall, I would sit on the bench gladly for $40 million <laughs> a year. I'm not giving any of that money back. Um, so I think he, he is fine being traded wherever that ends up being. Um, but Lauren, another interesting dynamic, another big contract that is potentially looking to be moved. Um, does this have Ben Simmons implications? Maybe. Um, but, but what are your thoughts on, on the John Wall move overall? Yeah, I mean, with John Wall, uh, I do. I, I think that there's a chance that this the Ben Simmons deal could kind of almost be like the Robert Covington trade scenario in which those details just kind of seem, seem to keep coming out and coming out. And so it, teams just kept getting involved because there was so much money being moved around. I want to say Clint Capella was also moved. I could be wrong about that, but that was so, it feels so long ago. Anyway, but I think that's when you have so much money getting moved at one time, things just get included. And I think that's where John Wall might get moved. Uh, When you look at some other sizable contracts around the league that need to just get shuffled around like Kevin Love, I I just, just for example. uh, So I, I do think it will be interesting, but what's so fascinating to me is that $40 million is so much money. So in order to match the money, if you're going to trade him to anywhere other than Oklahoma city, the salary that they're using to match is way more valuable. Whatever player they're offering is way more valuable than John wall is right now. So I'm going to have to agree with uh, what I believe Tim, it was Tim McMahon, I believe uh, said on the low post. He said that, he doesn't think a buyout will happen now, but maybe next year, maybe next summer. So I, I don't know. But again, if you're not Oklahoma City, why would you do this? I just the Philadelphia. Come on. I, I think that that's a little bit of that's not where they're they're looking. And, and no disrespect to John Wall, but that he's a big risk right now. And if you're Philadelphia, 
everyone's looking at that window and they can't afford to take big risks. Yeah, I think this is, um, I think it makes a lot of sense for Houston for a lot of reasons. Obviously, they want to develop a lot of young guys that they just have added to their team. Um, they like the backcourt that they've put together. Um, so it makes sense. That being said, you do want some veteran presence when you look around. You don't want um, a bunch of rookies who've never done this before. So it's not bad to have guys like John Wall and Eric Gordon around. However, the Rockets are so far over the salary cap and they're in the luxury tax that if you're not going to be winning, you don't want to be paying that money. So it makes total sense for them to be trying to get off um, these contracts. So I definitely get that. There are a lot of concerns, like you said, around John Wall. He did only play in 40 games last year, um, averaged 20 points. That's great and all, but with with not a lot of help, the ball was in his hands a ton. So um, I don't know where he's going to end up. Oklahoma City seems to make a lot of sense because we've talked about they need to reach the salary cap floor. I, I can't remember to what detail we've described this before. The way the salary cap floor works is that you need to have a number of a certain dollar value of guys on your roster hitting your salary cap during the year that meet the floor. So you can't just acquire people and then buy them out. So that's where a guy like John Wall playing for Oklahoma City next year makes a lot of sense. Uh, that being said, will it happen? I don't know because um, I don't know that you can create a $40 million trade exception. Like that's not just going to be absorbed into OKC. Maybe they send something back. Um, but OKC is not trying to win, so so not a lot of concerns there. There's just the craziest thing about all this is that we're two weeks out from the preseason starting, less than a month from the NBA starting, and there are so many moves still to be mm -hmm. made. These rosters are nowhere nowhere near set. I haven't checked the the roster number on Chicago, but last time I checked, they didn't have 12 or 14 guys suited for the year. Maybe maybe that's changed. I, I haven't kept up with the ins and outs because we're talking mostly about training camp invites and head of the bench guys. Um, but but for a long time, their roster was not set. And I think a lot of that had to do with the Lowry and move still being outstanding. Um, but that was one domino that fell. We're still waiting on Ben Simmons. John Wall seems like that's set to move soon. So a lot of things are going to happen. A lot of things are still up in the air. Um, and, and the NBA season is right around the corner. Absolutely. Well, that concludes another edition of The Unshot. Uh, thank you for joining us. Go take a, take a listen back at our most recent episodes where we break down a lot of trade scenarios with teams in both the Eastern and Western conferences. Uh, like Grant said, the NBA season is right around the corner, so keep your eyes out and uh, your ears open. See y'all next time.